everyone, my name is Vaishnavi Kara, and you're listening to the Necessary Symbiosis Podcast. Today, we will be continuing our conversation with Jamie, um, the author of the new book, The Underdog Paradox. Um, where we left off last week was talking about how uh, new startups and newer entrepreneurs are looking into combining the entrepreneur's uh, side of life with social justice and inequality and fighting for change. So that's where we'll start the conversation. Yeah, it is fascinating, um, especially with the whole like George Floyd um, stuff that happened last summer and then seeing the uh, tech and business backlash to what happened recently last week at the capitals. It is really fascinating to see how, um, at least from my perspective, it feels like watching the younger generations like Gen Xers, Gen Xers, millennials and um, Gen Zers uh, look at the world and be like, okay, if I can't, if I can't make a difference in one way, what's the easiest way to make a difference? It's always money in the end. Money drives everything in, in this global economy. So if they can make a difference and force companies to um, follow their morals and their beliefs, then hey, they're fine with it as long as it gets them to the end goal. It is really cool to see that. Um, and regardless of whether it's a nonprofit, like you said, or a for-profit, um, watching people get involved, it is really, really good and helpful for the future. So yeah. it's cool. And it gives everybody else hope. I mean, the last yeah. chapter of my, my book is titled Hope. And I think if there is anything that has changed in the last year, um, I know a lot of people for a very long time have felt completely hopeless. Mm-hmm. Like there is, nobody's listening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's nothing that we can do to ever make this better. Mm-hmm. And our country at this moment in time, I mean, for the listeners, we're sitting here on January 16th, 2021. Like we, we are seeing the country be torn further and further apart maybe than ever Mm -hmm. Uh, these growing pains are really difficult for us to deal with but at the same time there are different ways that we can think about what's happening in our country Mm -hmm. and if we can use the events that are happening today as motivation to keep pursuing the things that we believe in, Mm -hmm. what your beliefs are, if we can use that as motivation, and if we can maintain hope and a positive outlook that there's a brighter future and a day tomorrow, I think that is the most important thing. And I think the Black Lives Matter protests last summer were very different than most protests uh, that we have seen maybe since Martin Luther King junior and i'd argue that they're even more different than those because those were um by and for african-american communities black communities and now watching young people of all races of all creeds and everything like come out and be like no what you're doing is wrong i need to help my friend my brother my sister um even if they're not by blood like this is wrong to see that that gave me a lot of hope last summer it was really cool yeah i couldn't agree with you more so 
I mean, all, all of the, all, all of this that I'm saying is really just meant to say, I mean, there's, there's kind of two, two world, two ways we can view the world. W one is through this lens of just complete helplessness. And the other is through this idea of like optimism. Um, and there's a lot of interesting psychology uh, that enables us to kind of view the world through both of those lenses, but teach ourselves to view the world through this idea of learned optimism. And I mean, the, the common and, and cliche way to say it is like viewing, viewing the glass half full, but really that, that's, that analogy doesn't work for a lot of people. And, uh, and it, it sounds a little bit hokey. Instead, the idea is um, rather than looking at, uh, at, a, at an obstacle as mm -hmm. something that can never be overcome, uh, thinking about what might happen if we put everything, every last ounce of our energy into it in a really positive way, uh, thinking what is, what is the opportunity that's on the other side of it. Right, right. And, and, uh, and so I, I think it's really interesting, the timing of, of, of all of this and, and the timing of the launch of, of my book. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a lot of ways you can, a lot of ways you can view it, um, but I hope, I hope the readers really enjoy it, kind of like sifting through some of the stories and, and, and extracting whatever meaning they kind of find that, that helps them. Mm -hmm. So what's your favorite story, even if it's like a tiny tidbit or something that couldn't come in or um, something that you couldn't put in your book that you really wanted to put in? So there's a lot of ideas that I planted in my book that I really wanted to write a lot more about. Mm -hmm. um, one really interesting idea that I uh, shared in my book is this idea of viewing ourselves as human beings mm -hmm. in potentially two different lenses. And the example that I give in my book, I don't use a lot of sports analogies in my book um, mm -hmm. because so many books have been written about like underdogs and sports. Yeah. And this is a really simple kind of idea that people sometimes latch on to. But right. I, I do write about one athlete in particular um, because I think it's a really good example of how we ourselves can change our personal narrative to give us the motivation and inspiration to just keep going and kind of put that underdog, like quote unquote, chip on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. uh, and that athlete is uh, Steph Curry, mm -hmm. NBA superstar, three, you know, MVP winning multi-championship Steph Curry. This, this guy, he, you know, he grew up in a family where by all intents and purposes, you, you might say he was handed like a silver spoon. Mm -hmm. uh, his father was a standout basketball player and uh, his mother was a superstar volleyball player. He, he got to grow up playing basketball in some of the best gyms that could, you know, basically out there. Um, and, and by all intents and purposes, we could say like Steph, Hart, Steph Curry, he had, he had it all, mm -hmm. right? But I don't think really that's the narrative that Steph thinks yeah. about for himself. I actually think what he does that makes him so successful is he thinks about his personal narrative in a very different way. Number one, he was, he's an undersized guard. <laughs> one of the smallest guys out there on the court at all times went to a small, mm -hmm. small college that isn't necessarily known as as one of those superstar schools that like yeah. produces 
top draft picks, right? right. I mean, Davidson's not bad, but you know, they're, they're, not, they're not known for it. They're ones. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he came out of the draft, like not being drafted relatively high. Um, but, uh, what he has done is he's used that, used that narrative is, is inspiration to kind of change the game. Like no teams had really been playing the game that Steph Curry plays. I mean, the guy can shoot from three lights out, uh, completely new style. Like that's kind of like his tactic or his strategy. Like he's not, he's not the one, he's not LeBron James. Like we wish we all could all be LeBron James, but like. Uh, he's 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 different and yeah. I think he's learned to use that narrative to his advantage in really interesting ways and so the like big idea to kind of take away from here is quite certainly like uh, I uh, can think of myself as somebody who also was born into immense privilege uh, and got to go to a, a great school and study uh, interesting subjects that when I came out gave me opportunity to a great job mm -hmm. or I could think about myself as a first-time author that's really interested in pursuing a creative career outside of the corporate world and really to be honest I am on very level footing <laughs> with everyone else out there that is just getting started trying something completely new for the first time and it right. doesn't matter if you have a couple college degrees and we're not like we're all, we're all the same and i need to now go out there and prove it to the world that like i i'm a right i can write yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you know? so i use that i put that chip on my shoulder and i say like i'm gonna do something different like mm -hmm. I, I think it was really cool the program that we had an opportunity to go through uh new degree press is a very different type of publisher traditionally than your traditional publishers, mm -hmm. um, but they taught us to basically use different strategies that enable us to kind of come out mm -hmm. there. And I'm super proud to say that like the underdog paradox was the number one Amazon bestseller, but we used, I used a different strategy than maybe your mainstream traditional publisher would use yeah. to get there. So I think that's an interesting idea. Yeah, it is fascinating. And, ba and about Steph, like, so the first time I have, I'm not a basketball fan by upbringing or any kind of way. Like I grew up watching tennis, cricket, and some soccer, a little bit of soccer, um, and maybe some football, but that's like rare, um, only because my cousins are watching it on TV, so I'd watch it as well. Um, so the first time I saw or heard of a Steph Curry was, do you remember when um, his uh, press conference went viral because of little girl? Absolutely. That's the first time I knew who the heck Steph Curry was. And I was fascinated because like, this guy is also playing b-ball with president obama on the basketball um, court at the white house and he's doing all these things on the side and in a way i feel like he changed basketball off the court by making it more kind of like the wnba in the sense of social justice like wnba is known for the amount of social justice that they do and all the things they do outside of the court and I feel like he made the NBA more like that because he was doing My Brother's Keeper because he was um, helping uh, HBCUs create a golf program so young black boys and girls can play golf and go into the corporate world having that skill, having that kind of networking available. So it is very fascinating to me to see him as a um, activist more than a player because of how I think he changed 
the idea of what it means to be a basketball athlete, what it means to be a sports figure in a, in, in, in a way I feel like not many people do. And it, it's cool to see like the newer athletes going into that because they have someone like Steph be their pioneer in a way. So it is really cool. I, I love that. I love that because I think that there are immense opportunities for athletes, actors, movie stars to leverage their celebrity and audience, musicians, I mean, you name it, um, to, to leverage their influence to shine a spotlight on really important causes. And throughout all of history it's it's been a very touchy topic and yeah. and i i can understand that when we see someone like colin kaepernick take a knee right at the, uh, during during the, national, the national anthem and basically be turned into a a villain almost right. by by different audiences uh you can you can kind of understand why and how it has been difficult for athletes to to do this and it's very impressive when you see steph curry is is not the only one there are so many other athletes out there that are using their platform for good and i it's so impressive and and makes me so proud to see uh one person that i I just want to recognize because i i also wrote about a couple other athletes in my book uh even though i didn't want to write about sports is uh, Muhammad Ali because he is somebody who did not care what other people thought. He stood up for what he believed in and he was made out to be a villain in a way Mm -hmm. that banned him from professional professional boxing for two years during his prime um, because he was vocal about his beliefs. And and after that happened, we did not see very many athletes right. take a stance, even though we all know that they stand for certain causes. Athletes have been forced to play by certain quote unquote rules yeah. just because the people that control the money and the finances have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to give credit where credit is due to athletes that came before Steph to people like mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali, um, who are, are just gave people the hope and optimism that eventually there will be a day mm-hmm. where athletes could use their platform and their celebrity for good. And even though it may force them into difficult conversations and difficult circumstances. Like we're, we all appreciate all of the work that they do. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of parallels between the sports world where athletes are getting more involved and vocal about it, about their involvement, not just hiding it behind like the back and behind closed doors and back rooms and stuff. And scientists also getting involved because there is a very interesting parallel that the ones holding the power, the ones holding the money, just typically the government, um, they're the ones that are like, oh, if you are vocal about any kind of justice or injustices in science, then you may or may not get a grant. You may or may not get a keynote speakership at a, at a major conference. Like, it, it's interesting because 
there's so many things in science that are plagued by America's racism or just colonialism in a way. Um, like the ones that come off the top of my head are the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, um, Henrietta Lacks and us scientists using her cells and her family still has not get any, gotten any like um, reparations of any kind or recognition of any kind, even though there was a book and an HBO documentary on it. Um, so it is interesting that there's still like this dichotomy of people fighting for power and trying to control the narrative in both the sports realm and the science realm at the same time. It's kind of like watching two games at once. <laughs> yeah. They're happening almost simultaneously and they're happening at the same rate. So it's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the most interesting examples of like power dynamics in science right now is the work that like Greta Thunberg is doing in, mm -hmm. the, in, in the climate crisis movement. So mm -hmm. the things that are really, really interesting to me are the fact that we are forced like Greta Thunberg, I mean, she got started, she's 16 years old. Yeah, 15, 16, 15, 16. years old. We, we are, as a society, relying on a young person mm -hmm. uh, to, to be the voice for something that is so important. Yet, when you think about the interesting dynamics that are at play with that, in some ways, shapes and form, it actually makes, it makes sense adults adults are so quick to discount one another mm. adults adults when interacting in public discourse are unafraid to attack others for different beliefs mm -hmm. but the moment you take a young person like Greta Thunberg and put her up on a stage in front of you name it the United Nations yeah world's world's largest tech companies and CEOs, all of a sudden people's perception immediately starts to change. Yeah. And and there are a lot of things that we can all learn and admire from Greta. A couple examples. I mean, she listens. Yeah. She really listens. And she does not she she was not a Harvard debater no, no. you know like she she was not on she's not trained right per se in political discourse but she she listens and she hears what other people have to say and that is that is startling to other people that want to argue with her mm. because <laughs> she doesn't immediately discount their views she says you know what like I actually don't know the answer to that but like we should reference the science here. Like what, like, uh, and, and I say she doesn't answer, like she knows a lot of answers to a lot of hard questions, which is also yeah. ridiculously impressive, but, um, but she's not afraid to say like, no, like this doesn't make sense. Like the science says this. Yeah. And, uh, and I think by being like true and vulnerable and her authentic self and, uh, and not being afraid to listen to the other sides, but debate in a very open and honest way is something mm -hmm. that I mean, most most adults like haven't had the ability to do themselves. 
So I don't know. I just wanted to shine a spotlight on her right now and, and the work that she's doing because I think it, it's very, very different in a way from a lot of the traditional yeah. discourse that we've had in the scientific community and not, not a shake yeah. whatsoever on scientists at all. Like everyone has a really difficult job out there. And yeah. the moment you introduce an interesting dynamic like Greta's youth and her ability to just think differently is really impressive. And she's not the only one that like um, adults have put that burden on. It, the whole March for Our Lives, the Parkland 15, um, I think they're the Parkland 15, I forget. Um, but those young individuals after facing a horrific trauma, like worked their butts off to get Walmart to stop selling um, automatic rifles. They worked to get Dick's to stop selling. And now they, because of their work, the NRA is filing for bankruptcy because they don't want to pay any money in reparations or any kind of settlement. So it, it's, it is inspiring, but also at the same time, it's, I feel, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel a little disappointed in our power structures because why are we forcing young individuals, teenagers to stop being children and start being adults when they shouldn't have to have that burden? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it, uh, it's such an interesting thing to talk about and, and think about. I, the, the world is changing in so many different ways and social media these days is changing the, the power dynamics mm -hmm. government and on Wall Street and really the scientific community, like in so many different ways, mm -hmm. social media now gives young people a voice when mm -hmm. traditionally 15 and 16 year olds have not had the right to vote in our country, in the United States, but they do now have the ability to build an audience rally a and inspire a lot of people because of the interesting power dynamics that social media introduces into these discussions. So yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of changes mm -hmm. as a result of these new interesting power dynamics and whatever you want to call it, the new attention economy uh, or whatever else you want to describe it as, but there's some interesting new dynamics where uh, I don't know. I come from the startup world. Uh, the VCs, the venture capitalists, they don't, they don't control, uh, they don't control anything anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can start a business now uh, with a, a laptop and uh, yeah. uh, an email. You, know, you, don't, you don't need a VC stuff. to fund you. <laughs> There's some interesting things you can do nowadays, and uh, it's the power of the internet, the power of leverage, and uh, in this new kind of attention economy where people like. Uh, people like the ones we're talking about, like now have the ability to be heard. Yeah. So I think we're almost out of time. Um, is there anything else that you want to discuss in the last eight-ish minutes? <laughs> um, no, I mean, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for, for having me on. I think like if, um, if, you're, if your listeners are interested in getting in touch with me, uh, they have... You know, I'd love for folks to kind of go out and check yeah. out my book. So it's titled um, The Underdog Paradox. It's available on Amazon. It's available everywhere books are sold. Um, also, like, if anyone is really interested in diving into these topics any deeper, um, you guys can find me pretty much, like, on Twitter at all times. <laughs> <laughs> at, it's at Jamie Russo. So it's at J-A-M-I-E-R-U-S-S-O. 
Um, and yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And yeah, this was fun. Um, I might have you back on later because this this conversation probably will take more than one episode. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to my uh, interview with Jamie. And I'd like to thank Jamie for being my first interviewee, my first guinea pig in a way, um, for this podcast. And we had such a great conversation. And as I mentioned in our conversation, I would love to have Jamie back so we can continue to talk about these important topics and perhaps um, talk about more science-related topics in our next conversation. And with that, you've been listening to the Necessary Symbiosis Podcast.